Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Today in Town Packers podcast. My name is Griffin. You can follow me on Instagram at AllDayPackers, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Braun, who you can follow on Instagram at Lambo.Leapers. And, wow, we are bummed out today, aren't we? The Packers lose to the Giants in London, 27-22. to Wow, I haven't been down this bad in a long time, maybe since January. Braun, how are you? Yeah, Griff, that was a really tough one because had a lot of chances to win it. We're going to dive probably right into the just everything going on, but I will tell you, just to kind of get started here, there are a lot of concerns that I have about the status of this team that I think are bigger than what's happening on the field. So a lot to get into today, but I'm, I definitely have my fair share of concerns. This game felt just really familiar for me, where like we start out, we're up 17-3, to and I'm thinking about these delusions going on in my head about, oh, we can score 30, well, we, maybe we get to 40 in this game, maybe Rodgers throws five touchdowns, and then as the game goes on and we're not scoring points and the Giants are getting back in it, I'm like, oh boy, well, let's just win the game. I would have been disgusted if we won this game and it was close because it shouldn't have been close. And then at, on that fourth and two, when that ball gets batted, goes up in the air, I, wow, man, we, we're really about to lose to the New York football Giants. Ugh just terrible man the The worst thing is we can't afford to lose these types of games dude we can't we can't afford that we have a really tough schedule man we have a tough schedule coming up we got to play buffalo we still have to play dallas philadelphia the rams miami minnesota again who are four and one like i can't imagine that we're going to be favored in any of those games except maybe the rams because the rams don't look very good either but we have a tough schedule and now we're three and two we just lost to a team that we should have beaten it's just just a terrible situation. Yeah, Griff, there's a lot um, a lot that I think we're going to have to figure out very quickly, and it starts against the Jets this week. But I don't know, Griff, with, with everything that went on in this past game, and I'm going to even start with just the things that didn't even occur on the field because I think that's what's most important. When you look at just like even with David, like he's back, right, but he's just – they talked about it. He's sitting on the bench, like what everybody else is up, and and this is in between drives when he's sitting. And it's in London. I guess they want to be extra cautious or whatever. He's practically sulking on the bench because he's not playing. I guess or whatever that the was, case is. That was so weird. Like he's like that sitting by himself. He's like it just the makes ga- no the, sense. the last like, drive of the game. The where the fourth and two where we turned it over on downs. He he wasn't on the field. Yash was on the field. Like why? But then send him on? out on the Hail Mary. I don't understand the He was out there really. on was he out there on the Hail Mary? Yes. Well, if you remember, he got the penalty. Oh, he got the back five. Right. Right. I mean, oh my god. Just every everybody we rely on had, you know, just we couldn't put it together in that second half. Even the guys that we think we can rely on heaviest are were struggling out there. But between David, like we said, kind of just like sitting in his lonesome by on the bench, then with the stuff, I mean with the play calling and, and the canning and, and the disconnect between Rodgers and LaFleur there, I mean, there's clearly something going on. There's clearly, like, a disconnect with the way that Rodgers is either choosing the run or the pass on these on these can plays, and I don't know what that is either. Then you even go back to just the, the trip itself. There's a total disconnect between Rodgers and some other players and the coaching staff on when they should have left, when they should be you know, going to practice and what they're doing while they're there and how long they're staying in London. And these are the kind of things like that just you can't have 
from a, from a franchise standpoint. Then you look at Aaron Jones saying in the locker room they should have ran it and, and th- that he felt like they would absolutely have gotten it in, when they chose to pass it. And then you talk about with Jair talking about that they might lose against the Jets and Aaron coming out and having to say that it's, it's about talking about winning and you shouldn't be talking about losing. There is a true disconnect between, I think, players on this team, I think between the players and the coaches, and there's a lot going on. I think, and then you talk about even the fact that player, uh, reporters are asking Aaron Rodgers about OBJ, and Aaron basically can't say anything of value because he can't say anything to, to make Brian Gutekunst look bad because he's assembled this receiving core that relies on Alan Lazard, who has been no more than our wide receiver two the past three years, to now be our wide receiver one, and we're expected to play better or improve. There's just too many things going on in terms of with this franchise that I think are real and and legitimate that I am heavily, heavily concerned with things that are... And these aren't even on the field because the on-field product looks like something I would see out of my junior varsity high school franchise. So I, I'm just pretty sick and tired of of those things. And, and we like I said, we didn't even get to that, that thing we call the football, which we oh played on gosh, Sunday barely. Everything, <laughs> barely. Everything you just said is exactly why this loss feels so. It's it feels so unique. Every every time we lose a game these past three years, you know we win thirteen games three years in a row, number one seed, yada yada yada. Every time we lose a game, it's like the world is ending. Even in the regular season, it feels like the world is ending. We lose against Minnesota week one. Oh my God, what's going on with this team? And it's usually an overreaction. They usually fix these things. Usually fix themselves. But this one, it feels so. It just feels different, man. Because I'm coming out of this game thinking. Thinking, I don't know how good this team is. There's so many things that we have to correct and that we have to get better at. And it's week five or over a quarter of the way through the season, and they're just not. It doesn't. It hasn't looked any better since what we saw when we were in Green Bay in August. And like, I don't want to overreact just to just five games of football. I don't want to overreact. But it feels like this is the first year in a couple years that maybe we're not going to be one of the top teams, the top two or three teams in the league. Maybe we're actually going to have to worry about things like wildcard positioning and who's in the lead of the NFC North right now. And maybe these division games towards the end of the year are actually going to matter. Like, I, I can't fathom that, but it feels like that might be a reality. Yeah, and that, that speaks to a lot of what we just mentioned, how some of these things are going to creep on us. And I just think we are not going to be prepared because... We haven't experienced some of these things. It's just, man, it is tough. I, I, I sit here looking at the way that we just played and, and the current situation with our team, and I just I have to think that Matt LaFleur has something to do with that in a large capacity. I do not have faith in Matt to be that mentally strong, convicted leader that's going to rally this team because does he really have that kind of grip on the players is my question. He seems just at robotic, weak, I, and I, I know I'm coming off a little strong here, but does he really have the command of this group, the attention of this group to not, you, you know, he's, he is, I, I feel like a lot of the times his concern is more about being one of the guys relating to the players. He calls he's it a, a player's player coach. team. He's a player's coach, right? That can be great. We've talked about why that's a great thing. But in times where there's a divide or, like we talked about, this disconnect, I'm not sure he's capable of rallying this team to right the ship. I'm just not sure he is. With the way that Aaron leads, which is not of 
a vocal variety. We know that. There's There can be blame said for that too, and it has been at times. But I just don't think Matt is capable of rallying this group in a time where I think it's extremely necessary because he is more concerned, I think, about being one of the guys than actually being the head coach, in my opinion. Wow. That is I, I am gonna push back on that a little bit because I do love Matt LaFleur. And I think he's a great we love coach. Matt. And I think he's I think he's, I think he's a great leader. Field. I think he's a fantastic leader and but there is some truth to that. He's never gone through any kind of adversity. Never. We've done nothing but win football games and have elite offenses on the field since 2020. 2019, we were winning games at least. Now, the, he, the most he's had to deal with is injuries. He's battled a lot of injuries in his tenure, but he's never had to deal with a 3-2 and two record through five weeks and just everything that you talked about to open the show, all of this drama, and it feels like there's... It just feels different. This doesn't feel like a Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur team. Let me just say this. Remember when Aaron Rodgers was questioning whether he would be back in Green Bay? Matt LaFleur was... He just seemed like a pawn in this thing. He had no sway either way because it was between Brian Gutekunst and Mark Murphy, and then it was the Aaron Rodgers side of things. And Matt LaFleur is kind of just this pawn in the middle of this whole thing. And I feel like he is almost... He he just rather... He would rather avoid stepping on players' toes and everybody else's toes within this organization than make strong decisions that can hurt other people's feelings. He's afraid to hurt feelings, I feel like. I think he's an incredible coach on the field. He make, he did not coach a good game. He's been out-coached actually a few times this, this season already. But I do think he's very good. You can't, you can't uh, you know, walk into a 13-3 and year, three years in a row by mistake. I don't think that's, you know, I think he deserves a lot of credit. I think he's an incredible head coach. But I do think there are things he's lacking and we have now given him three years, and this kind of stuff shows up when we lose in the playoffs every year, and I'm starting to get sick of it only because now it's affecting our regular season, and there's really not any more excuses because I don't, I don't want to hear it anymore. I'm, I'm just really sick and tired of this, of this whole thing. Uh, we have to come out and play stronger. We can't be playing one half of quality football and then one half of atrocious football because it makes no sense. That's what it's what is been the issue? every single game, dude. It, it makes the, no sense. Week one, we score zero points in the first half. Week two, we score three points in the second half. Week three, we score zero points in the second half. Week four, we score three points, right, in the first half? No, ten points? Um, and then this week, we score zero points offensively in the second half. Oh, God, man. Is that unreal or what? How many weeks is he going to come out and say that we have to play four quarters? Or we have to play complimentary football. <laughs> I'm just so sick of it. Do something. How many about times it. is he gonna come out and say that it starts with me and that these guys? How many times is just, it gonna start with him? When does it, it end with him? It's concentration. <laughs> when does it? When end? does it end with him? It's about I mean, concentration. It's st- all the oh things that gosh. we've heard, and it's like, God, man, I can't take this anymore. It's time to win Super Bowl. I'm just sick of the coach speak. He's so. I, I just. I, I'm sick of. We've talked about this too at the podium. It's like a waste of time. He's he's so incredible <laughs> at saying he says I absolutely nothing. I thought he said some nothing. good things today. Did you watch his presser today? He has to start explaining for himself, or people are going to start questioning his job. He has to. There's no. Choice. He's been jabby too. He's been really it's jabby. Been, yes, I mean he's got a lot to explain for. I, I you know, he, he should be. He has to kind of defend himself here and also protect the guys. I mean, like this is his job. 
he has to start doing that. And this is one of the first times, like we said today and yesterday at the podium after the game, you got to start speaking up or people are going to start asking questions about your positioning. But I, I'm just, I don't know what to say really anymore. Um, we have to be better. He has to be better. We, we just can no longer go out there and have him come back after a loss or after a bad performance that doesn't look like a, a team that should be winning a championship this year. And him saying the same five phrases that he says after every game. And I, I just, I'm tired of the robotic nature of what he does as a head coach. He, he, he needs to be a leader of men here. He needs to be a leader of men and, and, and rally this group together because now is going to be a crucial time heading into a, a game against a team that has the same record as us, and it would be a total embarrassment if we go out there and struggle. You know, you know what Aaron said about manifesting, not manifesting losses. We're not going to talk about that yet. We'll save that discussion for the preview podcast. Um, but you know what Can't I would wait, love to Griff. hear him say that I don't think he's ever said before? <laughs> like, I want someone to ask him about Aaron Rodgers and him to be like, yeah, that wasn't a great throw. Or just like, it wasn't, yeah. a, it wasn't his best throw. He's, he is, he steps, he makes sure he avoids stepping on anyone's toes. But Rodgers, he goes out of his way to defend that man. No, I agree, Griff. I mean, <laughs> Rodgers is not uh, completely excused from blame, although there's a lot of moving parts around him that A, he cannot control, and B, he probably shouldn't even have to deal with, but he is. And look, he did. He missed throws this week. He missed throws last week, and that's part of the reason why we're struggling on offense. But man, like, what more can this guy do? In some cases, a lot of people are coming for his neck on things that are not inside his control and things that are just hard for him to have any accountability for when they're just not his fault. Those are things that you can't account for on his part. So with Aaron, I, I, I get a lot of the things. The missed throws are the biggest thing, but he didn't have a ton of those. He's, he's certainly guilty of that this year. It's, it's more missed throws than last year and probably any other year under Matt LaFleur so far, but he's still playing elite football for the majority of the time. And there are other things that you have to think about, like the fact that we don't have Devontae Adams anymore, and he has to start looking around a little more often. He's been very good at escaping out of the pocket and making throws, but there's a lot of bad going on out there with these receivers. And we're just finally getting into a rhythm with the protection because they're finally throwing the same five guys out there. But then you've got Royce Newman allowing four pressures in the game also. <laughs> I mean, it's just a lot of things that he has to deal with that I you can't fault him for this. There's a lot of things he's got to deal with. We're going we're gonna to get more into Aaron and the offense. Before we move to the football, I want to talk about something that has to be said here. Mark Sanchez should be kept out of the commentating booth for the rest of his life because, good Lord, could I not stand this guy. He was the worst. It, it felt like I was watching an FCS college game, dude. He was terrible. Oh, my God. It's 830 in the morning. I'm off, running off of five hours of sleep. I'm cranky. I'm listening to this guy gush over a 10-yard dig route from Daniel Jones that's wide open because it's a tight spiral. Oh, my God. I muted my TV for large stretches of this game because I couldn't stand it. Yeah, Mark Sanchez, I would never like to hear his voice again. But <laughs> I, I I, really I, I pray for anybody who has a game with them as the commentators. <laughs> Honestly, because, man. I mean, we, we talked about this a little bit during the game, but it was really great when Christian Watson ran an end around and they called him Amaria Rogers about three times. <laughs> Usually you see that and they immediately correct themselves. I was waiting for it, but he just he, he goes, 
and it's Amari Rogers, and Amari Rogers has nowhere to go. Down goes Rogers. Like, oh my God, do you not realize and then, that this is the, the second greatest round part pick? is? Yeah, the greatest part is that they don't look alike whatsoever. And <laughs> no, they have one no... of them is tall and skinny. One of them is built yeah. and short. Yeah. Oh my. And one goodness, of them doesn't dude. see the field. By the way, I don't understand where that. <laughs> I don't know what their process was there. I, and the bare minimum as commentators is like know the roster at the very least. Maybe know their high-profile draft pick at, on offense. Their <laughs> yeah, first, their first like receiver G-guy. drafted in years. Like my goodness. <laughs> oh my. Read gosh, the room. Man. Like do your job. And that's that's what oh sucks too. God. It's like it just makes the game worse. But he, I mean, Mark like, Sanchez. The last he, thing we want is the last thing we want is when we're watching the game and we're struggling and we're starting to lose to the New York Giants is to hear Mark Sanchez say some stupid garbage. <laughs> I call him Romeo Dubs for the entire freaking game. Oh my gosh! Literally, oh that's a mistake goodness. I was making in July, bro. What research did you do for this game? My favorite thing, my favorite thing above all, and I I just knew this was gonna happen too. As soon as Mark Sanchez started talking about this, I knew they were gonna do this on the go-ahead touchdown. Saquon Barkley, Wildcat, runs it in late in the fourth quarter to go up twenty-six to twenty. Biggest play of the game. They have Dean Blandino talking over it, talking about an illegal formation penalty from two plays prior that didn't even matter because it was washed out by a Packers penalty, and it was first down, and it meant nothing to anybody. And they're talking over the biggest play of the game. I was like, this is perfect. This is per- this is the worst broadcast I've ever seen in my life, and I hope we never get a Mark Sanchez commentated game again. Yeah, Griff, I do want to also shift to... Um a little bit of, I don't know what you want to talk about in terms of, uh, we've got a lot of issues with this team, right? And one thing that I we didn't really touch on much yet this year is um, the way that we have, this is a little bit related to the offense, but also I think in, in terms of the, the front office, just the way we've gone about replacing Devontae Adams or trying to, the attempt. Um, I think when you talk about what is most to blame for our struggles so far, that falls pretty much right up there with, I think, the things that have gone on with Matt LaFleur and the play calling and his leadership. I think that probably falls right up there. Um, again, with Joe Barry as well. We'll get to all that as well, too. But I, I just don't think they've done enough and expected the same results, and that's been an issue. They are not utilizing the running backs enough to justify the way that they've assembled this offense from a personnel standpoint. It just makes no sense to me that the way they've – when you're looking at the current group, they have basically said, we are going to replace Devontae Adams with Romeo Dobbs, a fourth-round pick. And That is quite this literally is what they've done. Because they have Christian Watson playing the Tyler Irvin role, as you so eloquently put it, which, you know, that's He doesn't lovely. run routes, dude. He doesn't run routes, I swear to God. They do he not. He just runs motion. He's the fastest player on the field on both sides of the ball. But anyway, I mean, it makes no <laughs> sense. Uh, you know, just forget him. Let's just have him run an end around once a game just so we can a get f- him touches. A fourth-round rookie is uh. – he, he's he's how we replace Devontae Adams. Until you literally just started talking, I have been so cool on the Packers' attempt to replace Devontae Adams. I Like, it's been a thing where earlier this summer I was frustrated and like, wow, are they going to do anything? You know, before the draft, I was like, well, they have to draft someone in the first round. They're ha- they have to trade up for Chris Alave. I mean, that's why they traded for the first-round pick and the second-round Yeah, round that's pick why they traded, Devontae because Adams. to get younger and cheaper at the same position, I get it. Makes sense. They don't do that. They trade up for Christian Watson in the second round, which, 
I, he's a rookie, but George Pickens, whatever. That's that's whatever. But and you know they they later draft Romeo Dobbs in the fourth round. Who like is is that even a guarantee that they get him? Were they going into the draft knowing that they were going to draft Romeo Dobbs? I don't know. But if they hadn't, this receiving core would be terrible. And so that was a thing that frustrated me. It frustrated me earlier this summer, earlier this year. But coming into the season, I kind of throw all that away and I'm like wow it's August this is our team everyone looks good we're talking about in August about how all these guys they bring so much to the table and there's so much variety and I kind of forgot about the fact that we really didn't do anything and when you look at a team like the Chiefs who we just watched on Monday Night Football who do they they trade Tyreek Hill to the Dolphins for a first round pick who do they sign they bring in Juju Smith-Schuster they bring in Marquez Valdez-Scantling and they drafted a wide receiver in the second round and they did, yes. And they still they did, still have, they still have guys like Travis Kelsey and McCall Hardman. It's like they yes. had more to, more than us to begin with, and they still did more for their quarterback. That's so true, Griff, and it hurts even more as you say that because I am I, I, continuously I get fed up of the way that they've assembled this personnel from an offensive standpoint. It just and again, then you talk about okay, well then they're clearly designing this team to to base it on the running backs. And like we talked about last week, you have two of them on the field. You assume that one of those is going to be running a route because you can't have them both run the ball on the same play. You want one of those guys lined up. Line them up on the outside. Put them in the slot. But no, they don't Put use Jonesy in them. the slot. Match him up with a linebacker. What we did exactly. in 2019. I mean, and then get creative, right? But no, instead, they give them a total of 19 touches and we're throwing the ball like we have Devontae Adams, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, and James Jones on the field. I mean, Don Hudson, gracious. too. Don Hudson is out there. I mean, Vince Lombardi coaching. And it's like, what are we doing, bro? Like, I just don't understand. I don't get the philosophy. And Brian Gutekunst is very much to blame for that, I think, because you're going to have to. Like, we get it. You had to trade Devontae. We get it. Okay. We, if you have to, if you have to, go ahead. But let's try to replace him. So what do they go out and do? They oh wait no they did nothing, they did nothing. <laughs> they did. Nothing. They have nothing. They drafted with those picks that they got. They drafted a defensive lineman, and then they drafted a linebacker with those first two <laughs> first round picks. And the first thing the way, defensive tackle isn't perfect. playing, and the linebacker hasn't done anything enough to say that that was a great pick. They should have just moved up those two first round picks to get a difference maker. But I don't look. I don't know. Maybe not. I like the guys that we have. But then go make a trade or go make a signing or just do something. We need more at that position. It's clear. And that's just the very least of our issues right now. And it's something that we're actually never going to do. I have people messaging me about DJ Moore, and it's just never going to happen. And OBJ, I'm not even going to get my hopes up, although that does feel more likely than it has any year in the past five years because it's always a conversation. It feels more likely this year, but still not going to happen. DJ Moore, not going to happen. This is the team we have because the Packers, we said it last week, they don't overreact. Was this two weeks ago? I don't remember. But they don't re- they don't overreact to anything. Even trading Devontae Adams, the best player on the planet, they don't overreact. They just stick with the guys they have. They bring in the young guys. From the ground up, we're building this thing. And it, it coming into this year... I was talking about how maybe this is a season where the Packers are just kind of not going to, they never push all their cards, they never put all their chips on one season, but maybe this is a year where they're really not going to do that, and they're really looking to be a good team, or a great team, a Super Bowl team next year. 
I don't know. I don't. I don't want to talk about this even. I don't even want to talk about Ugh. this because we we've been going for a long time here and we haven't really talked about the game yet. So we got to get into the game here. I, I do just want to mention that the Rams last season they weren't they didn't start winning games until what January? Like they they were not good for a long time. We beat them week twelve. They looked like trash. The Bucks in twenty twenty didn't start winning games until November. There is a lot of time left. This team can get a lot better. But right now. I don't know how good they are. I really don't know how good they are because this game against the Giants was absolutely dreadful. Just terrible, man. Well, Griff, I have to interrupt you real quick because there's a difference between the philosophies of those franchises. Both of those teams oh my were, God, you're right. were trying to win football games and trying to <laughs> assemble teams to win football games. We are not doing that. We're not going to go out of our way to try to get better. And I'm not even, I'm not even being funny. We are not going to go out of our way to try to get better as a football team. It's just not going to happen, so I'm not, you know, if we struggle, just enjoy the ride this year, I mean, because we are going to struggle, it's <laughs> not going to get better. Um, we're not going to go out and make it, we're not going to try to get a difference maker to get this thing going, even though we don't know how many years Aaron Rodgers has left, but there's always next year until there isn't, so let's just keep it that way, I guess, right? That's a great point, because the Bucks in 2020, in midseason, they bring in Antonio Brown. Uh, the Rams last year, midseason, they trade for Von Miller. They bring in OBJ. Like, yeah, the Packers are not going to make those types of moves. No, we're not. And So maybe we do suck, and maybe we're not going to win anything yeah. this year and finish 10-7. Yeah. and seven Maybe. And lose the division Probably. to the Vikings. <laughs> maybe. Probably. When's the last time through five games we weren't leading the division? This is insane. I can't believe when I'm seeing the Vikings at four and one. It makes me sick, really. If we if we're a wild card this year, I'm gonna throw up. If we don't make the playoffs, ugh. okay, that's. I think we'll now, be okay. yeah, we're gonna make I do the think, playoffs. Yeah. We're gonna make the playoffs. Now, now we're overreacting, Griff. <laughs> no, no, I think we're gonna be okay. It's just right, let's let's get into this game. But I do think we're gonna be okay. It's just. Like, this is the thing, these are the things that happen every year. Like, we get in these games every year. Like, it was, we go back to every one of these three years that we've had with Matt LaFleur. We have these games where we, like, see, sometimes it, it turns out to be our true colors. And we're like, ah, we'll get better. And then we go we'll and get play better. in the playoffs. We'll get better. There's a lot we of football this, left. Exactly. There's a lot of, we have time to get better, a lot of football left. And then we go into the playoffs and then we lose for the same reasons that we were losing in the regular season, and everybody's shocked. It's like, well, we actually didn't do anything to improve the team because we just had hope that it would somehow miraculously change, but it didn't. And we always talk about ways to get better, which we're going to do here. And usually it never rings true, but you know what? That's the fun of, the, that's the fun of being a Packers fan, complaining and wishing and hoping and being let down. Welcome to a Packers therapy session. This is another Packers therapy session. Um, where do we even start with this offense, dude? Where do we even start? So the second half, they score zero points. Zero points. They're up 17-3 to at one point in the first half. They go into halftime up 20-10. to They don't score another offensive points. My good Lord. It doesn't help that when you, not including the final possession, which was the false start and then Hail Mary fumble, not including that, they had three possessions. The entire second half, they had the ball three times. I have no words, Griff. The Giants open the second half with the ball. They score. We get it back. We go seven plays, punt. Then the Giants go on a long drive. We get the ball back. We go three and out, punt. And then we get the ball back, and we go all the way down the field in the fourth and two turnover on downs. And then the game's over at that point. We touch the ball three times. Hard to score points when you get the ball three times. Yeah, it is, Griff. And like we said, defense was out there a long time. When you're losing the time of possession like that, 
to that extreme, it's going to be tough. We didn't capitalize on any turnover opportunities. Then there were some that we had. You almost turned the ball over on the on the punt return with Amari. I mean, some of these things are just too many issues lining up. Just when our special teams are starting to play well, we continue to have issues now with Amari Rodgers taking off kickoff team. And then what do you know? He kind of removes himself from the punt team as well in that game. And it's just, <laughs> He's like, I don't want these snaps either. Yeah, I j- just get me off the field, please. Like, my goodness. I don't know what to say about the offense. I thought Aaron Rodgers played some pretty bad football at times, but then he makes some ridiculous throws and reminds you that he is still the MVP. And then you think about the circumstances surrounding this offense. He's throwing to Alan Lazard, who is his wide receiver one, who is a bona fide wide receiver three. He's He's got to rely on Alan Lazard to get open against number one corners on every play. And that is just a recipe for failure. And we're not <laughs> going to be able to do anything with that as the current offense. That's why we need a guy like Odell or a guy like DJ Moore. But, of course, those things aren't going to happen. So, instead, we will stick with the fourth-round pick and hope that he becomes the next Megatron. Otherwise, we aren't winning anything this year. Oh, my God. It's crazy, man. Everyone just, including me, I think Romeo is going to be great. I think he's going to be spectacular in his career. But it's it's so wild that we're coming into this season relying on Romeo. Romeo has to be great because if he's not great, we literally have no one to throw to. Like, that is so much pressure on him, and I do think that that is a poor job done by this front office. But in the second half, I'm totally, I was in, I was talking to you, in favor of running the football, which if you, if you listen to this podcast for the past couple seasons, you would know that that's kind of unlikely, unlike me, and that's because in the past we had Devontae Adams, who could get open at will. Whenever he wanted, he was open. So I would have been okay in the past throwing on 90% of passes, or 90% of plays, just because it's an, it's a cheat code. You have Devontae Adams. Now we don't have Devontae Adams. In fact, we have a, a fraction of Devontae Adams, and Aaron Jones is now our best skill position player outside of Aaron Rodgers he's the best player we have on offense can we design a game plan around this guy can we give him the ball in creative ways or even not creative ways just give him the freaking football because he's always producing same thing maybe not the same thing but AJ Dillon too AJ Dillon only had six carries he's averaging 5.7 yards per attempt he hasn't had a game this season with fewer than 10 carries he only gets six in this game like what happened man can we give these running backs the ball because they are the best things that we have going for us on offense. We have to f- we have to stick to what we do best, and that's giving the ball to those running backs is what we do best. But, you know, still, we knew, we have to remember our priors here, Braun, because we knew that the Giants were going to come into this game, and they were going to play man coverage, and they were going to overload the box to try and stop the run, they were going to play single high, and they were going to dare our receivers to make plays. So I do, in some ways, understand wanting to take advantage of that and wanting to take advantage of the single coverage that your receivers have against terrible cornerbacks and they kept getting injured they were already injured at that position coming into the game they continue to get injured throughout the game so I do understand wanting to take advantage of that wanting to let your receivers make plays we talked about it on the preview podcast I wanted to see these guys make plays because we they were going to get advantageous looks they tried it it didn't work these guys can't separate Alan Lazard cannot separate he is almost never open like no Unless it's a slant route. The times he's making plays are the times when Rodgers is threading the needle to get him the ball. I mean, like, it's just, like, when is he ever truly open? The only time he's getting open is on these slant routes where Rodgers is feeding him and he's hot, or if it's off an RPO, it's a quick throw. 
those are the times that Rodgers can hit Lazard. But Lazard is not beating anybody deep downfield. He's not beating anybody, period. I mean, it's just not the He's not good enough. I don't know what this front office, I don't know what this franchise is thinking, but it is not good enough. We don't have enough. Griff, I'm not even being funny. Like, I'm being serious. Like, this is... I know, we, yes. We don't have enough. It's just we don't have enough. And, and then now Rodgers continues to get blamed for whatever they can come up with, whether it's canning plays at the line or this and that. I mean... What are he, he's throwing to Alan Lazard, dude? He was our wide receiver three, three years ago. He was our wide receiver two last year, and all last year everybody was saying we need a wide receiver two because he's not a wide receiver two. Griff, he's not even good enough for that. We and now and now we think he's going to be our wide receiver one, and everything's going to be okay. I don't know what this franchise thinks. And I don't know how these fans brainwashed themselves into thinking that this guy was going to be our wide receiver one and we were going to win football games, but it's just not working, Griff, and I don't think anybody should be surprised. We need more in that group. We need more. I've made comparisons before, and I'm going to do it again, between this team and the 2015 team where we lost Jordy, Devontae wasn't good, all we had was Randall Cobb and James Jones, who was in his final year. And that year, if you remember, teams were playing man coverage against us, they were daring us to throw the ball, they were daring our receivers to get open, and they couldn't all year, and we never had any answers. And that was the that was the story on uh, Sunday morning against the Giants, too. They were playing man coverage, which we knew they would, and our guys couldn't get open. It's the same thing as 2015, except this year we do have answers. And we kind of learned it the hard way, but we cannot continue to take try and take advantage of these advantageous passing looks because it's just not going to work. Now we have to rely on Matt LaFleur's scheme. That's what we have to stick to because the trying to get open against man coverage, which every team is going to show us for the rest of the season, it's just it's not working out because these guys are not good enough to get open by themselves. We have to lean into the scheme. And that doesn't even mean that we have to become a run-first team because in the first half, they were passing more than they were running it. We had 26 pass attempts in the first half, only 12 runs, which... I don't know, say what you want about that. I, I have no complaints about that because the passing game was working efficiently. Rodgers was getting the ball out of his hands quick. He was averaging, his average depth of target was under five yards. He was getting the ball out of his hands in 2.09 seconds, and it was working. We were moving down the field. We were scoring points. We scored 20 in the first half. We scored 10 in the first quarter. We haven't scored 10 points in the first quarter. They said this on the broadcast, one interesting point that they made the entire, the entire game. They said on the broadcast it was the first time we scored 10 points in the first quarter since week three of last year against San San Francisco, which is kind of crazy. I don't remember that being a storyline last year, but yeah, we scored 10 points in the first quarter, 20 points in the first half. It was working. Rogers That's was getting ridiculous. the ball out of his hands. You would think that we'd get off to hotter starts with our scripted plays, but it just doesn't happen. We've been struggling, and you would think with Matt LaFleur as our scripter, we'd have a better opportunity, but no, we don't. I don't. It doesn't make sense to me at all. Well, part of what goes into that is the defense is historically bad on the opening drive, so... The opposing offense usually eats up quite a bit of the first quarter clock. We suck. <laughs> we suck. Oh, yeah, this offense, man, where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? I think we have to stick to the quick game. We have to let Rodgers be a game manager. And this is another thing I want to talk about, Braun. Oh, my God. Every time the Packers lose, I just want to throw my phone into the ocean because I, uh, <laughs> I drive myself crazy. <laughs> going on Twitter and reading my comments and reading my DMs and tweet these people tweeting and it's oh my god everyone has an opinion and god it drives me crazy but I've seen so many people saying that Aaron is playing hero ball and he has to stop playing hero ball I'm sorry guys I've seen Aaron play hero ball before he was not playing hero ball on Sunday morning 
he played poorly. I think he played much worse than you do th- than you think, Braun. I think he played really poorly. I think it was his worst game of the season. He was missing a lot of throws. But this was not hero ball. This was not 2018 Rodgers. He's not turning people down to try and make a big play. He wasn't running around for five seconds to look for a 70-yard touchdown. He wasn't doing Griff, that. He's throwing the had... ball on time, in rhythm, and to the guy that's open every single play. And that's yes. what he did the entire game. If you have a problem in the second half with the amount of deep shots and the amount of five, seven-step drops, then your issue is with Matt LaFleur because those were the plays that are called. And Aaron's running those plays, and he's playing within the offense. Like, he's not trying to make plays that aren't there. I didn't see that on Sunday. No, and again, he's throwing to guys that aren't getting open enough and aren't doing a good enough job that he's now really have to search. He has to search for who he can find to throw to. I mean, it is really funny because... This is a guy, how, how does it make sense to me, right? How does Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur feel like we have a good enough group at wide receiver if he is throwing predominantly to a guy that they cut and he did not have on the <laughs> roster that Aaron Rodgers brought back? How can they feel good about this group? I mean, and again, another shot at their judgment here, but Randall Cobb is playing better than anybody in this wide receiving core. What does he's that leading tell you? The, he's leading the team in receiving. This is a guy they let walk at the age of 28, and he is now our leading receiver in these games. I mean, it's like, how can they be, how can they be confident in that when this is a guy they cut, and now he's back leading us only because of Aaron Rodgers, but now they think it's good enough. It doesn't make any sense. He's our leading receiver in the past game, Griff. How can this be? It makes no sense. Randall Cobb, I, I give him so much credit because he has really had to earn everything he's had here because of what they did, cutting him and Rodgers bringing him back and kind of relying on him. And he's had to do a lot to get the faith of the franchise back. And he is doing enough to get on the field. And it's just, it is really remarkable because he's had to overcome a lot. He could have just sat on the bench and been a coach, basically. And they probably would have, Rodgers probably would have been fine with that. But he has absolutely played his way into the lineup, starting, playing as many snaps as anybody, and and getting as many yards as anybody in this group. So I give him so much credit. And again, we praise him every week, but just thrilled with how he is uh, as a receiver on and off the field. And he is one of the true constants at this point with this franchise that is so up and down, so dramatic, so many disconnects within the coaching staff and the franchise with the players. I mean, he is a true constant. So I'm grateful for what he's done. We have the Randall Cobb segment on this show. It's a weekly thing now, but he is, he's we great. We should just he's call this the better. Randall Cobb show. <laughs> we should. He's getting better like every single week, dude. That sideline catch was crazy. He's getting open really often, more than anybody else he's getting open. And Aaron actually missed him a few times, quite a few times on Sunday. So his receiving stat line could have looked even better. Um, I want to talk about the this dreaded three and out drive. After the, after the Giants tied it up, we go three and out. Three pass plays, 26 seconds, whatever. It felt so much like the 49ers game where they blocked the punt to tie it at 10, and then we go pass, 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 punt. And it was like, wow, we really just did that? It, it feels like we do it feels like we do that a lot. Rodgers and or LaFleur, they just they get really emotional and they just want to they just want to make a shot play and they just want to respond really quickly. I mean, I do that in Madden when I give up a long drive 
defensively. I always want to come back and I just call like a play action shot play because it's I, I'm so frustrated, you know, but I think that is a real issue that this coaching staff and or Aaron Rodgers, I'm not really sure. Um, I think that is an issue with them because they seem to do that a lot. Yeah, Griff, I think I think that forgets the human element of the fact that those guys on our defense were just on the field for whatever it was, eight minutes, like or whatever the whatever the time was, right? That forgets that a human long time. element. It is something that the Madden player would do, right? I mean, but it's if that doesn't have that human element like this does. So it is ridiculous. You're right. They just need to, on that drive especially, they just need to stick to what they do, man. Just stick to what was working in the first half. You know, just run the ball maybe. Even if you don't want to run the ball, just run some quick passing game stuff like we were doing in the first half, like we were doing the first drive of the second half even. That stuff works, man. That stuff works. But even I, I say that, but I'm somewhat of a hypocrite by saying that because coming into this game, I also wanted to take advantage of the press man coverage looks that they were giving us. And they were giving us that all game long on all three of those plays, they were giving us great passing looks. And so I can't really complain about that. I really don't hate the play calls that much. Let's go down by down here. First down, we have a slot fade to Alan Lazard. He gets tripped up by a defender. Is there illegal contact there? I don't know, but it's a it's a poor throw either way. But that's a play that they run all the time. That's a play they hit on with Devontae. That's a play they hit on with Kabi. That's a play they hit on with Allen, even against the Buccaneers. They hit on that play. I have no issue with that play call. Second down, he's looking for Cobb on a crosser, matched up with the Nick McLeod, a second-year cornerback who is not good. You want your guy to make a play there. You Rodgers, he said he threw it too high. I really didn't take issue with the ball. I thought it was a good ball, but McLeod actually made a nice play. Um, LaFleur said at the, as press conference today, I've got confidence that we're going to hit that play 9 out of 10 times. I agree. That's a play they probably make 9 out of 10 times, and that's a play you expect Cobby to make. Now we go to third down, and it's a deep shot to Alan Lazard, which... That's I, th- I think that's I think that's Aaron's worst decision of the day. Not his worst throw, but I think that's his worst decision. Uh, that's the that's the only throw where you can look at it and say maybe he was playing hero ball there because it's single coverage. Alan Lazard is not going to create any separation on that, that's and he rarely thing. plays. Yeah. He he rarely plays the ball really well, and it was a it wasn't Aaron's best throw. It was a 50-50 ball. That's that's I think was Rogers' worst decision of the day. But even that play call, I don't hate it, man. You want your guys to make plays. We talked about it. We want these guys to step up. They're going to have opportunities, and they didn't cash in on any of these opportunities, and that was the drive to do so. Yeah, I really don't think I have as much issue with those uh, choices of play calls as most people do. A lot of people really hate that they did the pass, 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 punt, or whatever. I mean, like, I, I once you pass on that first down, and then— Now you have to pass. You don't want to run on second and ten. You don't want to do that. You can't run on second and ten because if they get—but the problem is, first of all— they were shown a very heavy box on that second down, and they're trying to take advantage, like we talked about, of that call. They're te- they're daring them to throw it with Aaron Rodgers. You say, "Yeah, okay, let's throw it then," because that's what Aaron we Rogers. said. We yes. said that. We literally said this. We were like, "Yeah, they're gonna show us press man coverage, single high." Yes, that's good. You don't want to do that against Aaron Rodgers. Exactly, but we just don't have the personnel on the outside for this to work anymore. It's um, so much like 2015, man. It's so Rogers much like Rodgers has that to year. really, I mean, Rodgers has to put, basically hand the ball off to these guys because they're not getting enough separation, and it's just not working. The only guy that's getting true separation every play is Randall Cobb. And Romeo is doing a good job, but not enough to be consistently relied on, and it's just, it's the nature of what, what they're doing on offense, and in that game, we saw it. I, I wasn't mad at that first play call, right? Like, Thing, I'm not sure what happened, like we talked about. Could have been a penalty. Lazard got tripped up, whatever. But now it's second and ten. They're showing you a blitz package or something stacking the box at least, right? So you, you're, you're going, well, if we run it here, 
they have a good chance to stop us because you just look at the numbers game. They've got seven or eight in the box. We've got five offensive linemen, Mercedes, maybe whoever was in the game at that time, maybe at most six guys chances to block it, you know, block up the eight. That's not good enough to rely on to get a significant yardage gain on a second and long. So they got to throw it. And once you fail it on second and 10, it's third and 10. You got to throw it. It's like you're basically stuck there. So I don't blame those play calls. There were play calls throughout the game scattered throughout even in the first half that I was questioning, you know, what are they doing? What are these play calls? And then you go back to the two at the end and you look at it in the same vein. I'm not mad at the play calling as much. There are things I think that Matt LaFleur is doing outside of of the things that are going on on the field that I'm more concerned with. And I think that, you know, you look at Rodgers is canning some of these plays, but the problem is either way you have to go to LaFleur there because He's not just making play calls for Rodgers to pick one. He's making two play calls, and as hard as that can be at times, there's two calls that go in, and they both have to be great calls. If Roger, you know, It's not like Rodgers isn't executing. If they're bad play calls and Rodgers is choosing one over the other, you still have to go back and blame LaFleur because he's the one who put the play call in regardless. So I'm not going to sit here and blame Aaron Rodgers for that either. But I don't think Matt LaFleur had a terrible play calling game. It just was not good enough, and he once again got outcoached, and that's been said way too many times this season. He got outcoached. It wasn't his best game either. I would have called that sequence specifically, the three and out. I would have called maybe some under center plays. I would have called some play action plays. Not maybe even at play least action, a play action, shots. yeah. Yeah, no. I would have called I would have called something that was working in the first half. Not looking for the dagger. That's. I think that's the biggest thing. They were looking for the dagger on that one. I think they needed to do what they do best. They needed to call some quick passing plays. They needed to run the ball. They needed to take some time off the clock, go down there, and kick a game-winning field goal, more important, or rather score a game-winning touchdown. That's what they needed to do, but they were looking for a bomb, which I wouldn't have called it like that, but I really I don't hate that. And that, that was the turning point in the game. As soon as we had to punt there, it kind of felt like it was over, but I... I don't blame Matt LaFleur a ton for that sequence. No, I mean, there's a lot of blame to go around, but I think there's some things that are being a little bit too overreacted. And people, it's so easy to just say run the ball there, but like we talked about, within the context of those three situations on first, second, and third down, you, you, there's not really much you can do. The one difference you make is maybe you, in hindsight, you run the ball on first down. But that's just the choice of whether, like, I mean, they've been throwing the ball well for the whole game at that point, enough to get points on the board and whatnot. They had success. It's just hard. It's a hindsight thing. But I would say I was hoping, I remember hoping on that play, on that first down, that they were going to run the ball because of how, A, how much success they've had doing it so far in this game, and B, the fact that they haven't done it enough. And we said that, and it didn't go through. They throw it. We saw what happened after that. It is what it is. I'm not sure what you can say at that point. Now they have to kind of, what will they do next game? Will they go out and run it 40 times? I, I don't know. What's the what's the change Maybe, of pace? Dude. What's the plan? Maybe. I don't know. I think they they learned the hard way that you can't count on these guys to make plays, even in looks like they had in single coverage, cover zero, cover one, where it's That's just the man coverage across thing. the board. Ugh. Like they, we cannot rely on these guys to make plays, even against those kind of looks. And they learned it the hard way. And hopefully we come we come back and it's just full the floor offense like we were doing at the end of the first half because it was working so well. Rodgers was getting the ball out of his hands. We were playing in rhythm. He was going where the play is designed to go. There were no reads. Because this, this offense is a blend between not only the Matt LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan 
offense. It's also a blend between that and what Rodgers is comfortable with, which is the Mike McCarthy offense. A lot of isolation routes are packaged into this offense. So I think we have to really move away from all of that stuff because like 2015, we don't have the guys to make that work. And that's like you said, that stuff was working when we had Devontae Adams. At the very least. But now we just don't have anybody good enough. And MVS. And MVS who could run by you. It's two guys you have to worry about and you can't really single up against. No, exactly. That was a difference. This, we do not have that anymore. With Romeo, Alan Lazard, you're not concerned about anything. You're not concerned about anything when it comes to manning up against Alan Lazard. He is a blocker. His best attribute is his blocking ability. And he's our number one receiver. It's just not good enough, Griff. I, I... I don't know if we can continue saying that without people beginning to get mad, but I, I just I'm not sure we can win moving forward with him as our number one. That's why I think it's crucial for a lot of reasons that Odell does come here, but it doesn't. I mean, why would he come here? What's the reason? <laughs> it's just why why choose this over over another team? I don't know, but it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. We're not going to go and get him either. We're not going to do enough. We don't make guys feel wanted. We have, we're just like, come here and win with us. It's not enough. We need to actually make guys feel like It's an entitled like thing, matter. dude. It's, we're come just play for the Packers. Come, come play, play for us Rogers. with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. What are they going to say when Aaron Rodgers retires in the next three years? And Matt LaFleur looks ridiculous because he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers to rely on anymore. And now it's Jordan Love or somebody of that nature. And nobody wants to come play for us. And we suck. And then now what? I mean, it's just, and Matt LaFleur has to somehow rally this group of players that he, he just doesn't have the command of the locker room or the charisma to just, to get the, the most out of this group. I'm concerned about that. I, I really don't know what, what's next for this group right now, but we have to rally the guys here. He has to show that he can do that. Otherwise, what is he doing as the head coach of our football team? He's got to be the leader here. I think he can develop into it, and, and but it's got to happen quick because we're about to spiral downward with all the things that are going on. There's a very great chance that if we lose to the New York Jets this week, we are going to be in serious trouble and there will be a lot more than just drama going on. All right, enough doom and gloom, enough negativity. Let's talk about the group that is loaded, that is exciting all of Packer Nation, all of Packer World, getting us all excited. This defense, man. They played terribly. They played just a truly <laughs> awful football game. It was one of the worst defensive performances I've seen from a Packers defense in years, it feels like. They were awful. They, they were just so, so bad. The, the, uh, I don't even know where to start with this defense because they're not even... The offense played like crap but they're not even to blame for this loss because it is on the defense let's start with the secondary griff because i think the main issue is we understand that that group is filled with talent but for whatever reason these teams without good quarterbacks daniel jones bailey zappy i mean come on (laughs) these guys are throwing all over us it just makes no sense that was our bread and butter last year this unit is is talented it's supposed to be on paper Maybe the most talented unit in football, our secondary, is supposed to be the best. These guys just aren't playing well, and they're allowing too many catches. Eric Stokes looks like somebody who just walked off the street, and it actually looks like you, Griff. He looks like trash. He looks garbage. He can't play. And then Rasul looks out of character. I don't know what the solution is, Griff, but man, these guys are not covering the pass. See, now, I... 
I have to push back, but I really can't because they played so badly. Everyone in this defense did, but especially in the secondary, everyone played so badly that I really can't argue with the fact that you said Eric Stoke looked like me out there because he gave up five for five for 70 yards. All of this is on the coaching, dude. It Riff, has I to think, be on I the coaching. You could, I think even you could break up a pass here and there. You, you think so? Even do that. You, you think yeah. I could? Uh, you think I could cover Daniel Bellinger? You think I could cover David Sills? I don't know, maybe. Um, but this has to be on the coaching because there's so many resources spent on this defense, which we talk about every single season, dude. Every year we're having this conversation of there's been so much money and so many draft picks and so much capital spent on this defense. Why are they playing so poorly? It has to be on the coaching. It has to be. And there are a lot of problems with the personnel on this team. They're, these guys are not playing well. At the end of the day, it has to fall on Joe Barry. Like He would be getting credit if this unit was playing well. He is going to take some heat, and he, rightfully so, is getting the blame for a lot of this. I mean, overall, this defense. So they open the game. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life, bro. They open the game with a three and out. They get off the field immediately. Then the Giants' second drive of the game, also a three and out. They get off the field immediately. It's like, wow, the Giants are so bad that even against the Packers in the first quarter, they're not able to move the ball. How special is this team? This is going to be a great day for me. 8.30 a.m., I'm feeling good. Then, oh my God, it just all fell apart after that. After that, after the two three and outs, they go eight plays, 55 yards, field goal. 11 plays, 81 yards, touchdown. To open the third quarter, 11 plays, 56 yards, field goal. 15 plays, 86 yards, touchdown. And then six plays, 63 yards, touchdown. And then they had the whatever drive at the end of the game that ended with the safety. But... Oh my god, man. They were going up and down the field. It's like we weren't even out there. I've never seen anything like it. This is a group of receivers that you just, I mean, you named two of them and they nobody had heard of them before uh, before <laughs> before Sunday. I mean, goodness gracious. What a group. I I, st- I can't even remember some of their names, but they were up and down on us. Daniel Jones looked like John Elway. I mean, I don't know what to say here. I can't believe how we made the, and just from a talent standpoint, we're supposed to have first of all, we have three of the best corners in the league at this, you know, going into this season. And these guys are from their practice squad. They're their fifth, sixth, fourth ring, fourth string receivers and they are beating Jair Alexander, they are beating Eric Stokes. Rasul Douglas is doing everything he can to give his fair share of opportunities to the Giants with some of these penalties and whatever else. I mean, three penalties nobody for could Rasul. cover three and nobody could he couldn't cover anybody either and it's just like I, I don't understand it. The, the the absolute awful play from Eric Stokes and Darnell Savage in each and every game this season has been just something I could never have imagined because they have they have dragged this defense so far down that it has been a major problem. Darnell, I I have had hope. I have had excitement for him. I have had a lot of things, even including praise throughout his time in Green Bay. But he has now had, through five games, his worst start to a year as a Green Bay Packer, and this is year four. I don't understand how that This is be. the player that Darnell is, dude. This is who he is. Every year we're I don't know how, for the how is he getting season. worse. How is he getting worse within this group? <laughs> how is he getting worse? The players around him know, are getting dude. better, and he's getting worse. It makes no sense. He, I think he's at a 37 out of 100 PFF grade right now, which is something you love. He had a 30.6 coverage grade, which was the lowest of any defender for the Packers. He was bad. He was really bad. This what do you do about passing, that? What do you do? The coverage. They cannot cover anything that moves horizontal. It is 
drives me absolutely up the wall. And it doesn't even matter if it's a if it's a crosser, if it's a drag route, or if it's a shot play. They cannot keep up with it, dude. Which is ridiculous. You have Darnell Savage who flies to the football. Eric Stokes runs a 4-2. Jair Alexander is a great player. Rasul Douglas is really shifty. Devondre is the highest graded linebacker. He's all pro. Quay Walker is so much burst. And these guys can't cover crossing routes. It has to be on the defense. Or it has to be on the coaching. It has what, to be. Just, and I said this, Griff. This defense just is too talented to be playing this badly. I just do not understand. They have too many first-round picks. They have too many players that we've seen play all-pro-level football. It does not make Everywhere any sense. Everywhere on the field, they have those types of players. They've got seven first-round picks starting on the defense. I don't understand. Oh, my God. What is the problem? I mean, where, where does it begin? Do they just want to not give up the big play so bad? Is that why they sit in zone with 10 yards of soft <laughs> coverage? I don't understand what the... I, like, are they that so fearful of giving up the big play? But the worst part of it is, they still give up the big play every game. It doesn't I make know, sense. they allow it anyways. It's crazy. It's like they're trying so hard not to give up a 10-yard play, and they allow it anyway, man. God, we got, I hate to sound like Matt LaFleur, but we got so outcoached defensively. Brian Dayball called, he called a really great game, but Joe Barry was just not up to snuff, dude. It looked like I was watching Kyle Shanahan versus Mike Pettin in the NFC Championship game. That's what it reminded me of. It was just, they, they totally outplayed us, outcoached us in every single way. I'm going to get into it here with Joe Barry here. We played 17% of snaps with man coverage. I find that appalling. Quite frankly, oh come, uh, come on, on man! Come, this is a league of this is not high school football where you're sitting in a three four and running cover two and you're, <laughs> I mean like this is run run some run some exotic stuff like mix it up play half oh, and half mix it up mix it up man. I, we have two first-round picks at cornerback, one of them being the highest-paid cornerback of all time. Rasul Douglas we just gave a bag to. We're playing scrubs at wide receiver. They have nobody to throw to. And we're afraid. What are you afraid of, Joe Barry? What are you afraid of? These Even when we do play man coverage, these guys are sitting six, nine yards off the line of scrimmage. Get up in their face, man. Reroute these guys. What are you afraid of, Joe? What are you afraid of? Eric Stokes getting burnt by David Sills? I don't think that's going to happen. Jair I mean, getting cooked by just... Daniel Bellinger, a tight end? Like, that's, it's, come on, man. Play some aggressive defense. It's so sad because they are doing everything they can to not let these guys have their talents be matched up with the other team. And that's the problem on offense is that we're continuously trying to make the offensive personnel that we have beat the guys on defense, and it's not working. But we're not trying to do that on our defensive side of the ball where we know we have more talent than pretty much everybody that's going to come our way, but we're doing everything possible to make sure that we can't exploit that. We're just trying – I mean, <laughs> we literally let these receivers run their entire route – before anything, just watching these guys run free for such a long period of time after the ball is snapped, before the defensive bat comes even into play, it's just so remarkable. I mean, I don't even know what to say. I don't know what the solution is. Oh, wait, yes, I do. Run more man coverage. Stop running all this zone because it's just making it too predictable. When they run, when they run man coverage on 17% of snaps 
And that's probably only when Matt LaFleur last week had said, hey, Joe Barry, can you please do me a favor? And when it's like third and one and you know they're going to run the ball, like can you just like try to put a couple guys extra in the box and maybe run more man coverage? That's literally probably <laughs> the only times they ran man coverage in this game. It's, it's too obvious. They know what's coming. And the, the offense is well prepared. We are not throwing any exotic blitzes. We're not doing anything with the linebackers enough. We, we talked about Quay last week, how great he is blitzing, and we've seen that on tape. They just went away from it against the Giants. That He didn't do it as much as he should have, and the exotic pressures were not there. Why don't you try to get to this quarterback with a bum ankle who has a history of fumbling, who also is just <laughs> insecure in terms of his football ability because everybody questions his status every week, and for good reason. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I, I really they don't know what to say. What kind of game plan was this, man? What kind of game plan was this? Get up in these guys' faces. Let your pass rush get home because the pass rush, when they had time to get to the quarterback and it wasn't an easy manufactured throw, they were getting home on occasion. Kenny Clark is a beast. Rashawn Gary is great. Preston Smith had a couple nice reps. Even Jaron Reed had a couple nice reps. But it's hard for your pass rush to play a factor in the game when you're playing 10 yards off the line of scrimmage and the Giants are able to take a three-step drop and throw it for an eight-yard gain on first down. It's too easy. Jair and Stokes, Jair is giving up on Sunday against the Giants. He gave up four targets, four receptions, 44 yards. And Stokes, like I said, gave up five for five for 70 yards. We are not using these guys to the best of their ability. There is no way that they should have stat lines that look like that, man, especially against the receiving core like the Giants. They play off coverage. They don't get their hands on anyone. Like, can we reroute some routes? Can we get physical at the line of scrimmage for one, for just one play? Can we do it and see what happens, man? Please. We're letting them run their entire offense and then just trying to defend at the last second. They're just they, you're you're not trying to disrupt anything they're doing. The the whole point of defense is to make it harder on the offense to execute. They're letting their offense get the entire play ran before the ball is completed. Then they try to make a stop or then they try to get involved. But they just don't try to disrupt anything that happens before the ball is thrown in the secondary. It's just I really don't understand it. I don't know what the solution is other than the things I said. But can they do that under Joe Barry is the question. Can they get those things done? I'm not sure because. They're very stubborn. Joe Barry's very stubborn in this philosophy that hasn't worked. I don't know. I'd like to hear from him. I haven't heard from him in at least a week. I, I don't know how he's going to explain this month because this is a continuous issue. We've been talking about this since last season. And it just – how can you – the personnel is too good, Griff. We can't – these guys didn't it's all too just good. turn into and bad these players. These are guys – Exactly. These are guys that we know are good. These are guys that we know are good and can play at a high level. Why do they all suck? Why does every single one of them suck? You don't walk and trip into an all-pro award. I mean, these guys, like, you know, no, why are the man. linebackers playing this bad? Why are the linebackers, like, not being able to do anything in the passing game? These crossing routes. Everybody's talking about these crossing routes. I mean, the linebackers... They're either not. I think the issue is they're just they're not able to get involved because they're the passing off and everything. It's just the zone concept. It's always it with so, the passing off. It's, These crossing it's so routes. It's hard. always. It's, it's so. It's they're not just passing off correctly. No. Every single big play, especially the crossing routes, you can always look and see someone, usually Devondre, pointing at somewhere and a guy just not following. It's these guys are never on the same page, and to me, that comes down to coaching. I think. Is the playbook too complicated? I have no idea. But why? Oh, I it's feel like it's not a problem for other teams, man. 
it's so much less complicated for when you have this kind of talent on a, on a unit like we do to just let these guys feel like they can match up with guys. Like, imagine Quay Walker against a running back in the open field. I feel confident in that. Devondre Campbell covering tight ends. These are things we want. These are matchups we want because teams like to think they can take advantage of those sorts of things. But we have the right. personnel in those spots to make it that they can't. And just think about how all these guys individually would feel if they really only had to focus on one guy on a specific play. I mean, Jair, he thinks he's locking up everybody. The same thing goes for Rastul and Eric Stokes. Those guys know how good they are, and if they only have to focus on one particular thing, you're confident in that. And the same goes for those linebackers. And then it lets our pass rush do our thing, and then those safeties can do everything they got to do, whether they're running a zone with the combo man, or they can just be a little more free. Instead of having to look all around the field at all times, seeing who's getting left open and how they have to recover, this defense is based on recovery instead of trying to be aggressive and making the offense do things. We have to be offensive as a defense, if that makes sense. We can't just be reactive. We're reacting. We have to be proactive and make those plays, and that's why we're not getting the turnovers either, because we're playing very reactive. We have to go out and make things happen, and that starts at the beginning of the play, lining up closer to the line of scrimmage, getting in these guys' faces, and disrupting what they're trying to do on offense, as opposed to just letting them get the playoff and then trying to you know, take care of whatever happens after the ball is completed. Yeah, we, we have one interception this season. Just one. Oh my gosh. In five games, Griffin. That is too low of a number. These cornerbacks are too good, dude. We know these guys are too good to be affecting the ball this little. They play off coverage constantly. They don't have opportunities to make plays on the ball. They just don't because it's like they, their defensive strategy is oh to just play off, let the guy run his route, and limit the yards after the catch. Griff, it's like I that's their entire about, identity on defense. Griff, I just thought about the fact that we've played Kirk Cousins, Justin Fields, Bailey Zappi, and Daniel Jones, and we have only one interception. I, one interception in garbage time. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. That is <sighs> Our hopes non- were so high. It's that almost is not embarrassing. The characteristic of our football it's team. We're supposed dude. to create turnovers. These teams in the NFC, these elite football teams, all are so good at creating turnovers. And we used to be good at that too. But here we are again, not winning the turnover battle in another game. And it's just ridiculous. I don't understand how we can go about thinking we can win games when we're losing time of possession, we're losing the turnover battle, or not winning it at the very least. And we're playing defense like that so passively. And then the play calling and all these things combined. We are playing very badly. And the only reason we're 3-2 and two is because of what Aaron Rodgers is able to do at times and what Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are able to do. And then we have these stretches where we play good defensive football, but that's because we're so talented. Those are the only reasons why we've won three games. We have to get better. We're such a better group than this. We, I, we, individually, we are so talented at a lot of different spots, including the fact that we have an MVP quarterback on offense. And those two running backs that we have are so, so elite. But we have to get better. We have to be better as a unit. And it, we're, we're worse as a unit than we are individually. And that is the recipe for struggles. And we've seen that. We have to get better. And we're running out of time.
And that's got to be the coaching staff. They have to step up. Matt LaFleur has to be a leader. He's never gone through this type of adversity. He's never been 3-2. and two. Joe Barry, I, 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 don't, I think I've heard this guy speak maybe five times. Like, I, I, I don't know what he's like in the locker room. I don't know what his players think of him. But he's got to step up and be better. He's got to change things. I mean, did, oh, my God. Did they even practice covering rollouts and bootlegs? Because, good Lord, I, I literally watched one half of the Giants game against Chicago from last week, week four. I watched that before our preview podcast. I watched one half, and I'm on here talking about how, yeah, they run these things really well. Daniel Jones, they, they he leads the league in play-action dropbacks. And it's like we didn't even think of that being a possibility, it looked like, because every single play that they run on a rollout, this one's really going to tick you off, Ron, because it ticked me off. Daniel Jones finishes this game on play-action dropbacks, whether it be rollouts or pure play-action. He finishes 8 of 9 for 98 yards, 10.9 yards per attempt. The one incompletion that he had was a throwaway out of the back of the end zone. It was a throwaway. Everything oh, else, when you take out the throwaway, finishes 8 for 8 with 98 yards. Like, <laughs> what, so what are you preparing for in the passing game, at least? What are you preparing for in the passing game if it's not play action and rollouts and Especially bootlegs? with Saquon Barkley in the mix. I mean, gosh, we didn't even talk about that. I mean, I thought they stopped the run fairly well in the first half. And then... Once they, I, and, uh, oh, you haven't seen them go to Wildcat at all, Joe Barry? They've been doing it all year. And then we get <laughs> torched on these Wildcat. What do you think he's, you think Saquon's going to turn it around and throw to Daniel Jones in the flat? I mean, what are they thinking is going to happen on those plays? Saquon is going to run the football. Get it through your head. I mean, like, what are they thinking? How do you let him do that? It makes no sense. Like, just, they get, they overthink everything. Like, what are they doing? What did they prepare for? What did, what they, did they prepare what exactly for? did they prepare for? What did they think? Because they didn't what do offense anything did they well think the they would half. see? Because even in the second half, there's a play I can remember in the tight red zone where it's a read option, a pure, simple, same, straight out of the Madden playbook, read option play, where Kingsley Anigbar doesn't even look at Daniel Jones. He straight up just plays the rush, and it's like, I know he has an injured ankle, but are you not teaching your guys? Are you not emphasizing the fact that Daniel Jones is a mobile quarterback and he can tuck it and run? On a read option, it's like, it's the easiest read option in the world for Daniel you know Jones. You funny, Looking Griff. at the unblocked defender. You know what's funny? Matt LaFleur... Even And this just made me furious because now they're taking all these injuries into account. He goes, you know, they, he talked about how Daniel Jones was pulling it and running it. And he was like, well, you know, who expected him to do that? Me and everybody uh, else who's watched the games? Yeah, literally everyone on the planet, bro. It's like, I mean, yeah, yes, he has a hurt ankle, but he played. So you think he's, I mean, like, you can't just anticipate he's going to literally be out there limping. I guess that's what they did. But I, he's an athlete. He is tough. He is a good football player when he's running the football. That is a fact. How do they forget that entire aspect of his football game? It makes no sense. And then here we go, and it's killing us in the game. And now it's one of the reasons why we lost. It just doesn't add up. <laughs> he looked like John Elway, you said, man. He really did. Oh, my God. Jesus. They were running They were all game. They were running rollouts and bootlegs that were very similar to what we did in 2020. It's our bread and butter in 2020. It's what won Aaron Rodgers an MVP award. Except now, when we run those plays, what happens? They get shut down immediately. If it's a completed pass, it goes for negative three to a maximum of three yards. That's all that happens because teams know we're going to run these plays and they defend them very well. I'm sorry, what I saw on Sunday morning was the exact same plays that we run and get shut down from the Giants offense. And they were working nonstop. They were spamming it and it was working. 
And we run a defense designed to stop some of those things. I mean, <laughs> exactly. No we run sense. the same defense. We run the same defensive scheme that is able to shut down our offense. Except when the Giants run it, <laughs> when it's against Joe Barry, I guess he had no clue that it was a possibility. I, I want to know what they prepared for. They clearly didn't, sadly. And now we sit here 3-2 and two, in despair. With that, let's go to some questions from our fans, lovely, lovely fans of the show. Okay, Nick NJC22 wants us to talk about the what the Bills and Packers game would look like. Well, I watched quite a bit of their game against the Steelers on Sunday. I think if we played them tomorrow, they would probably score 60 points. Um, well, then again, I don't Griff, think we would score very many. We we did play. We beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they are of similar stature in terms of good football teams. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. We beat the Bucks, but I knew not to take a victory lap. I'm not even trying to take a victory lap here, but I said after week one that I think we're going to fare well against the Buccaneers because it's a very it's a very easy offense to defend. No offense to Byron Leftwich, but it's there's not much going on there. <laughs> I don't think you he's going to care that you said that, Griff. <laughs> you don't think he's going to listen? No. <laughs> well, I just I don't think that that's a very tough offense to defend. So, in knowing that, you know, it helps that they had no receivers to throw to, but even if they did, I trust our cornerbacks to be able to defend that pretty well. But once you start getting a little bit creative, then Joe Barry it's it's a lot like it's a lot like Mike Pettin, I hate to say. Something I I don't know. I just every game is so different. Something tells me we just I think we're going to play well in that game. I don't know why. Something just tells me that we're going to at least make it really competitive and and Well, we have Aaron Rodgers, so. Yeah, I think he's going to he rises to those kind of occasions. He just you does. Know, it, what makes me think that, you know, like we're going to make the playoffs and we're going to be a tough team to beat in the playoffs. We just have too many players, regardless of the coaching, regardless of the steam, the scheme, regardless of what we don't have. We have Aaron Rodgers, we have Aaron Jones, we have Kenny Clark, we have Jair Alexander, we have all of these guys who are borderline all pros, all pros if not, and you know that has to make a difference somewhere. And so we are going to be in every single game that we play. That's I Griff. I think that's a great point. J eighty nine asks, is this the year? Gutekunst gets us the wide receiver at the trade deadline. No. No. Um, Drez asks, thoughts on utilizing <laughs> Jones more to catch the ball as a slot receiver? We talked about this a little bit, Griff. Um, I like that I think a lot. That's exactly what I think we need to do because if they're going to keep Jones and Dylan on the field at the same time, we have said this for like three weeks now, the packages where they're both in the backfield hasn't been as successful, but when they're both on the field at the same time, just split one of them inside or out in terms of you know running routes, I think that is a recipe for success because they are both playmakers in the passing game and in the running game, obviously. But I think that's the key. And I, I just think that uh, Jones with the ball in his hands in any way possible is great. And like you said too, the advantageous matchups with the linebackers, that's exciting. I don't think we saw any of the same old RPO that they love to run. I don't think we saw that run once on Sunday morning, which is a good thing because I spent a lengthy amount of time talking about how that is just so predictable and hasn't been working all season. Um, but I, I do remember one play where Jones was split out wide, Dylan was in the backfield, and it was a wide receiver screen, but against man coverage, it was a linebacker responsible for Jones. And it was like a screen set up, three receivers to the right, and it was a straight-up wide receiver screen, and Jones took it. I think I want to say it was like second and eight or something like that, and Jones took it for a first down. So I think Matt LaFleur is continuing to uh, 
elaborate a little bit more on those potential packages because I, that's that's the best thing that we can do on offense. We don't have receivers. We can't go 11 personnel, one running back, one tight end. We have to get our best guys on the field, and that involves Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Reese English, longtime listener of our show, he asks, should Joe Barry be on the hot seat? Um, if well, we haven't made it clear by now, yes, absolutely. But again, Griff, also, it is never going to happen. I, there's no way he gets Mid-season, fired. no. It is a possible if things continue to just spiral out of control. And then what, and Chris? This... The problem is, though, what do we do? We're, we're stuck. We're like That's a rebuilding team move. And we are still trying to compete. And This is one of Rodgers' last few years. I mean, he's got a four-year deal. This is not like we've got a ton of time with him here. I Mike, hear Wade Phillips is unemployed. Uh, Wade Phillips is also like 84. I, it's a sad reality. <laughs> but I, the problem is here, I think that with Rich Bisaccia... Re- revamping this this special teams into such a great unit compared to last year where and every actually I say last year our last hundred years of football I I just must say <laughs> I must say that I'm afraid he's going to get a head coaching job this off season and then we'll be stuck at special teams but then maybe we can get another defensive coordinator but we're out of it's just another cycle of losing guys I'm worried um, about that but. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I don't see them firing him anytime soon, especially during the season. But um, no, I think I'm Matt likes him about a lot. That. Do you think so? I think I. Th- I think Matt likes him a lot. Yeah. I don't. I don't like him. No, I don't know. I really because like if you asked me a week ago, I really don't feel either way about him. But you know, I don't coming know. out of I'm this not, game, I don't. I I'm hate not, him. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't like. I don't feel any way about him really. He's. I don't really know anything enough. about him. I don't no, know anything about him because yeah. we don't play. We don't. He has no like identity. It's like he doesn't have. He doesn't have any staple plays. Like Mike Pettin, his thing is that he blitzes. Well, his all the staple. Time. Wake Martindale. I have to interrupt you. His staple is 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 just ten yards of of coverage. Soft. <laughs> that's nice. his thing. I, that's just. <laughs> that's his thing that offenses have to worry about. Yeah, that's uh, that is Joe Barry's calling card. I can't even remember. Was that a Mike Pettin problem too? In 2020, I think it was a problem. Of Mike Pettin. Yes. Yeah. He was doing that constantly. And yeah. now, what do you know? Full, full full circle. It is. Well, Griff, another Packers therapy session down the tubes. I hope this helped. Honestly, a lot of the fans are very concerned, and so are we. But hopefully, this helped. I do feel like in the end, things will work out. It's just right now we have to figure out how that's going to happen. You don't see a clear avenue to where we're going to really improve and, and be that playoff team we all hope we're going to be, but hopefully it's, it's going to find its way somehow. We'll probably have some new listeners on this episode. Please stick around for uh, future our shows, and maybe after we win as well, it'll be a little more fun to talk. But uh, a lot to discuss today and a lot of things that we needed to say, and we have to kind of watch now for as we progress through the season and head into the Jets matchup, which we'll preview uh, later this week but again a lot to discuss and, and we needed to say a lot of things and, and hopefully this helped you kind of recover from a difficult loss in London I, I would guess that this is going to be our longest podcast yet um, it's also maybe our most pessimistic we didn't really talk about a lot of bright spots because there weren't really any um, but you know moving forward I do think that this team is going to be a contender and I do think this team is going to get better still I mean I've been saying that since week one and now it's week five and we haven't really gotten much better and that's what's kind of giving me a lot of worries here but I do think that they're gonna they're gonna find their rhythm here play calling wise uh, quarterback wise he's gonna get better connections with his receivers 
Um, and hopefully that maybe Goody's going to add to this team. But, yeah, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening. If you liked it, if this is your first time listening, then please stick around. Please subscribe. Share it with your friends and family. Um, rate us five stars on iTunes and Spotify if you liked it. DM us on Instagram that you liked it. We always like hearing that. DM us if you didn't like it. We value your feedback either way. Um, and, yeah, we're going to be back later this week, probably Saturday, to talk about the New York Jets. The 3-2 and two New York Jets. Same record as us. They just hung 40 on the Dolphins. So we got a lot to talk about there. You don't want to miss that one. But that's going to do it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Go Pack Go. If you DM us that you listen to the show, we will post you this week. So everyone go and do that. Yeah, we'll after throw it listening. on the story there. We will post it on the story. So... Uh, if you are listening, go and do that. Tell us you listen. Tell us what you think, and we will post it on our story. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will be back later this week with our Jets preview. Go Pack Go! Go!